What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Yan Bar Podcast. My name is Brian Barcelo, host of this episode. Today's guest, Sean Nolan, the lead pastor, not uh, mistaken, of um, Engaged Church. John, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Good to, uh, good to spend some time. Like I said, I'm customary around here. I try to respect people's time. I'm sure you have tons sure. of things to do. So we're going to cut to the chase. Let's get to the juicy stuff. And probably um, not what you were thinking about. <laughs> we try, to, try to mix things up a little bit instead of the standard questions like, how long have you been doing this? Where are you from? I try to sure. make it a little different. And I figure by doing it like this, during the course of our conversation, all these pertinent things will come up. <laughs> all right. First of all, if you don't mind um, answering, everybody know. Um, what is a trinity? <laughs> yeah, <love laughs> it. Does it exist? <laughs> What's sure. Uh -huh. Yeah. I'm, uh, so I, I think uh, that's been a question that people have uh, wanted to struggle, you know, wanted to, to understand for, for years. And if you're, if you're reading the, the Christian Bible, so which is kind of, kind of on the, on the shoulders of the Old Testament, which would be what the, what the Jewish faith is really Christianity stands on the, the shoulders of the, the Jewish faith. Um, it would seem that throughout scripture, they often refer to uh, God as father, particularly when you look to, to Jesus's ministry, he refers to God as father, but pretty, pretty clearly in a lot of different interactions he has, he refers himself as equal with the father or as God himself. So, so if you're looking at scripture, it seems like uh, they, they tell you in the scriptures, there's only one God, that, that there shouldn't be, you shouldn't worship more than just the one God. And Jesus never undoes that teaching, but he also claims to be God. And then he also talks about sending this Holy Spirit uh, to indwell those that trust in him and, and that that spirit would also be God as well. And so, wow, those that trust in Christ who know him actually have the spirit of God within them. Uh, so if you were to ask like a first century follower of Christ, like, hey, is the Father God? He would say yes. If you're asking, is Jesus God? He would say yes. If you're asking, is the Holy Spirit God? He would say yes. And then people would say, so then you're not a, you don't, you're not a monotheist. You don't believe in just one God. You're a polytheist. You believe in three gods. And they'd say like, well, hold up. I didn't <laughs> say that. I'm just, I'm just saying there's a bit of a mystery there. And so uh, what, I've, what I've come to like is that it's, there is a, a, a fact about faith that's mysterious. We can't, we can't fully grasp God. If he made us, we're going to be finite. He's going to be infinite. So we're not going to be able to wrap our heads around everything. But the Bible also teaches that God is love. And so I like this idea that if God is love, that means when he created us, it was just a multiplication of that love. It wasn't because he needed someone to love, but because Father, Son, and Holy Spirit always loved each other and they were multiplying that love. It wasn't out of some kind of lack in themselves, like he was lonely, but because God had this threeness and this oneness at the same time, he, he could multiply his love by creating people in his image to then experience that. And, and love always multiplies. So you have to have more than one person to experience love. But uh, God isn't lonely. He, he wasn't by himself before creating. He actually had a community within himself, which is, you know, kind of mind boggling. So uh, I don't know. L let me know. Did I confuse you? Or is that a good starting place for? It's fantastic because, like I said, all this mind boggling. It seems like there's a lot of, I don't want to use the word um, contradictory information. Just want to say that there seems to be a lot of information that, I don't know. Just seems like it's all over the place with him. Particularly when I thought about the Trinity 
and um, you know, all these different things. How can it be one and then three at the same yeah. time? And and then even in I believe it was in Genesis where um it said it mentioned us. It yeah. said something about people and um, um it was a fear of something or a concern that yep. um I think God was having a, um and he was saying, Oh, we do that, then they're gonna become like us. I'm like, yeah. oh, this is that us thing again, the plurality. Who is the us? Do you know? Yeah, I'm glad you picked up on that because if we if we were doing that, if we were doing a Bible study and someone would say like, where do you first start to see this idea? And uh, two places, really. Those are the first three chapters of the Bible, which is incredibly loaded section. Mm. But uh, in the second chapter, when he says, let's, let's create man and woman, he says, let us create him in our image. So yes, yeah. there it's God talking, but he uses this plural language of our, which is a little like, what does that mean? <laughs> and then... When, when man rebels against him, so we have this event, the fall, where the, the serpent comes, who's crafty, and says, you know, he questions what God had told them. Mm -hmm. uh, then they're cast out of the garden, and God says, unless they become like us and, and uh, live forever. And then he casts them out of the garden, which is interesting. He uses that plural language again, yes. but it's supposed to be just one God. So, so I, yeah, I think if, if you start having that kind of uh, lens on of looking like man, the, God, is, God says he's one. We, we want to believe that, even though that's challenging. But then mm -hmm. he also seems to reveal himself as a father, as a son, and as a Holy Spirit. You start noticing, oh, there's some places where one and one and one actually equals three, but also yeah. equals one. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, um, when I was reading that, you know, years later, um, it kind of reminded me of Schmeagle, um, the guy in the Lord in the Rings, the way he speaks, you know. Like, wow. <laughs> yeah, okay. like, wow, that's kind of... Anyway, but yeah, thank you for um, touching on that. I'm not gonna yeah, say I love that right in the deep end, right in the deep end, right at the oh, start. Oh yeah, just, just dive right off. Yeah. Now, um, let's see. What is or how do people get to heaven? Yeah. Yes. What is heaven, and how do people get there? <laughs> sure. Yeah, I, I love the when people talk about like heaven. There's a few things that I think of. One is uh, Jesus. Hell, when Jesus is on the cross, a pretty famous scene, uh, there's, a, there's a thief on both sides of him. He's, there's three people on the cross. He wasn't the first or only person to die on a cross. Uh, one of them asks, um, you know, will you forgive me? And he tells him, today you will be with me in paradise. I love that. We have a word for paradise. Heaven can sound boring to people, right? They think like, oh, I'm floating on a cloud playing a harp. Uh, right. I don't, that doesn't sound like fun to a lot of people, me included. <laughs> I think of blisters when I think of harps. But uh, <laughs> Um, but he says paradise. We have an idea for paradise. A lot of us have been on a beach in Mexico or something with a, with a drink with an umbrella in it or something. Exactly. He, he tells him paradise. So, so I think if we look again at scripture, and you've already kind of brought up this language of us in Genesis, uh, paradise uh, or, or heaven really, I think, is God's people in God's place under God's rule, because I think his rule is actually the, the way we will flourish the most. And so in those first couple chapters of Genesis, I think we actually see a little bit of what that would look like. One of the telling verses, uh, men were without shame. Like we, we don't have a category for that because we experience a lot of shame in our lives. We don't want oh, yeah. people to know us, which, you know, if you're naked, you're exposed. Uh, but, but paradise will be fully known by God. Uh, this is what he says in 1 Corinthians 13. And, and we'll fully know him and we won't be embarrassed about anything we've done because uh, we'll be fully known and still loved. So we'll be with God in his place. And, and the funny thing is Jesus tells us to pray on earth as it is in heaven. So, so us, those, who, those of us who are following Christ, like we're asking for heaven actually come to earth. Like 
will be will be in bodies to be better than what they are now. But a lot of people like this. When you think of the cloud, you start to think like, you know, it's not it's not something you can touch. But I actually think right. it'll be more real in this world we're in. Uh, and all of the amazing things about being in a body, like who hasn't had a really good meal? Uh, I think we'll eat in heaven. Who hasn't had, you know, some delicious thing to drink before? Or a really engaging, great conversation. It'll, it'll be so much of the best things we experience on this life, but, but even better because it won't be hindered by, by evil and by violence and division, all the things that we experience that's now that so many of us want to see an end to. Yeah, that's what's like, oh man, there's so much I can go in there. But it won't do stuff like... um. Like just touching on, but how can we have say good if there's not the other side? You know, there seems to have to have a duality, and this side sure. be all good and stuff. But I don't get it too deeply philosophical with that kind of stuff. No, but, no, it's it's good. I know it's okay, but um, you mentioned um, Jesus with prayer, and I recall yeah. reading in there where they was talking about prayer, and Jesus on the asked him. I think he said the apostles. I think it was. It said, "How should we pray?" And Jesus was like, um, well, you should play like in this manner. And yeah. I think they were saying something like, um, the father doesn't like um, repetitious stuff, you know, doing the sure. same thing over and over. Would you speak to that, please? Because I see a lot of people doing the Lord's Prayer. But when I read, sure. it's like, God doesn't really want you to do that. I mean, I could have it wrong. Please explain. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, think, I think, you know, the, the key piece there, right, is like God created us for relationship, I believe. and you know, just sitting down with you, like, I didn't bring notes to this, that I was just coming in here to say, hey, this is going to be my will. I have this script that I just want to jam into us because that's not how relationships work. And so I think when it comes to prayer, there's a, you know, there's a right way and a wrong way you could do it. Now, there could be somebody, I don't know, who memorized that section of, of scripture, right? And maybe they're, maybe they're in jail for a crime they didn't commit or something. And, and maybe they, they don't know how to read, but they memorize that and they're praying, our Father who art in heaven, uh, you know, your name be hallowed. Um, give me today this daily bread and, and for, forgive me for my trespasses as I forgive those that trespass against me. You know, maybe he's in jail for something he didn't do right. and he's being trespassed against. And that's a desperate prayer for him because he's in a place where he, you know, he doesn't have anything and he, he wants that relationship and he just latched, latched onto these words. Like that would be a, a meaningful prayer. But obviously we probably all know somebody who says that every day as a ritual, thinking that that's going to bless them by God. But but the greatest blessing is, you know, when you talk about heaven, is we can know God here because that's why, that's why I believe Jesus came was to show us, mm -hmm. like, it's not about checking off a checklist, right? You have right. a to-do list every day. Uh, I mean, my prayer life, um, there was a time where I felt like if I'm not praying for half an hour straight, I'm not praying. But as I've grown in my walk with, with uh, Jesus, I think um, part of faith, really what faith is, is learning how to trust God again. Like, we've all had wounds and and mistakes we've made that have caused us to doubt whether God could actually be good, to not trust him. Mm -hmm. And faith is learning to trust him again. And as I grow in that, I can just learn, man, I can just pray a one minute prayer in my head. You know, it, I can be in a conversation with somebody who's, who's suffering, somebody who's, you know, addicted or something that I encounter on the street. Mm -hmm. And I'm not gonna, you know, they're talking to me in the back of my mind, I can be praying, God, help me to love this person that you put in front of me the way you would, right? And that's, that's depending on God. I think that's really a way you could define prayer is dependence on God. Uh, there's nothing wrong with me waking up this morning and realizing, man, I need to depend on God. In fact, that's actually, I think, the whole point. <laughs> right. So, now, so despite all the blessings I could have, it doesn't make me any less dependent on God than somebody who, by our standards, you know, 
is homeless. Uh, we both need God the same. <laughs> exactly. I see what you're saying. Now, I've heard of something called um, Acts. And I don't want to forget the other part, too. Um, treating sure. God like an ATM. But I want, I want to get back to um, yeah. the Acts. Um, I'm sure you've heard of it. It's a yeah. formula of the way you're supposed to pray, the way it was recommended. What do you think about that? And for people who don't know what Acts is, because I don't think I remember them. I know acknowledgement. And so, I, I can you tell you. Yeah. yeah, please. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, some people will use that, and, and I think it's you know tools are always helpful if we're trying to uh, use them to serve, right? But if we're using them, uh, tools I guess to serve us, not us to serve the tool, right? The other way around. So, um, so if, if that's a tool that helps you to pray, then yeah, that's great. Uh, so some will say uh, a ACTS is a is a you know a tool. Uh, a for adore, like you wanted to tell God, man, I thank you for being who you are. I adore. Uh, I have affection for you because I, I, I recognize and want to be grateful for what you've given to me and just who you are is worth worshiping you and I'll, and I'll pray that to you. And then C is a confession of like, I recognize there are many ways that I fall short of what God would want for me. I'm saying me personally. So I just confess that to you, Lord. I ask that you would help me to change and be more like you, recognizing my weakness and shortcomings. And then the T is uh, Thanksgiving. I just, we, we thank you for all the physical blessings we have, the spiritual blessings we have. Uh, I've, I have a wife and four kids. So thanks God for those things. Uh, I have a house and, a, you know, I have transportation, many things to be thankful for. And then, uh, and then the S, uh, a fancy word that I wouldn't use in conversation, but they say supplication, yeah. uh, praying for others. So I, I pray for Brian. I see he's in a cool studio right now. I like the, <laughs> the background. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Those, uh, I forget what they call those folding things, but they're neat. Uh, <laughs> right. I just call them tiny things. I don't know what they call it. That's why I always see them in the Kung Fu movies. That's what yeah, I, that's I what saying. I was yeah. thinking, too. I, I uh -huh. couldn't even think of that word. I was like, I know I've seen them in the Kung Fu movies. but uh, <laughs> Exactly. Um, I always forget if Kung Fu is Chinese or Japanese. But, um, but yeah. Right. So, I think they karate for Japanese. I think Kung Fu for the other guy. They could have it all. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Uh, uh, see, I learned something today, too. And... Um, <laughs> So yeah, supplication, praying for other people that, that God would have in your life, like praying that they would experience his blessings and, and, and know him as well. So, so yeah, I think that could be a helpful tool because it kind of covers the different things you can have in conversation. Uh, really prayer, is, you know, again, could be a conversation with God is another way to look at it. And, um, and I think that is a, a helpful tool. It's probably not too, too unlike a conversation, you know, a meaningful conversation we could have with, with a friend, right? Uh, mm -hmm. You know, the things that I like about you, things that, uh, ways I recognize that I've, I've hurt our relationship. Any, any way you're going to have a productive right. <laughs> relationship with somebody. And then these are things I thank, I thank you for in our relationship. And then, uh, and then finally, I don't know, like the supplication was a little different, but uh, Right. Pray these, these kind of blessings would be for you as well, you know. <laughs> That's cool. So I like that. Now, um, thank you for clearing that up for us. Um, the other thing, um, read in the Bible where it talks about um, ask what you want of your father. And yeah. a lot of times, um, I guess I'm guilty of it too. There's no guessing about it. I am guilty of it. Kind of like using God for like an ATM or something, you know. We say these words, sure. and, hey, you know, can I have this? And, you know, can I have that? Um, are these things that people should avoid when talking to God, or should we go to our Father? Is it boldly come to my Father? But should, you know, we go to and ask for things. Is that cool, or shouldn't we? Yeah, think? for sure. Brian, I don't know you well. Do you have kids and stuff, or what? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. How many? Oh, a million. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, yeah. <laughs> but I see yeah, the point I, you're getting at. Yeah, I see the point you're getting at. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, I, I think it's pretty simple in the sense that, uh, you know, I, I, I'm thankful that I have a, a good relationship with my dad. I didn't grow up. Uh, he didn't 
he didn't bring me to church as a kid. Just that wasn't really the background we came from. That mm-hmm. I kind of developed that kind of relationship with God later in my life. But uh, but thankfully, you know, he's a good dad. And uh, and I just think of all the things that I asked him for as a kid, and a lot of those things he gave me. But I can't even now. I can't even think of an example, right? So like, uh, <laughs> you know what is funny? That literally just popped in my head because no. I remember. Um, <laughs> I remember, you know, shoveling snow and then not having quite enough money for this BB gun I wanted to buy at a pawn shop. And so he, you know, he gave me the rest because uh, I really had my heart set on that shoveled snow all day. And uh, so, yeah, this BB gun. Um, and when I think about that, like as the, the years have gone on, the gift is not as important as the giver. Right. So I'm thankful that I have a good relationship with my dad. Uh, you know, he's still very generous to me and to my kids. Um, but but just, you know, when, when your perspective changes, now I have kids and I recognize like, man, I want to give them most things they ask for. Um, but certainly that relationship is the important thing, right? Like they, they might not even feel comfortable to ask me if we didn't have uh, an established relationship of trust over, over time. So I think that's mm-hmm. part of where, uh, I, part of my story, I, I was an atheist actually until I was, uh, until I was almost 20. And oh, then, really? um, and so I probably wouldn't have asked God. I, I wouldn't ask God for things because I, I didn't have the relationship to ask. And I, I was kind of resigned to the world being a cruel and unforgiving place. <laughs> wow. Well, since you mentioned it, there used to be an atheist. I like this the way I'm going off script. I haven't done uh, more yeah. cards. Um, it's more of a conversation, like you said. Uh, speaking of the atheist, um, what turned it around? What changed? Yeah. Well, um, so for me, I mean, uh, I think probably another question too would be like why I was an atheist. And I, and I think okay. to me, that just comes part of how I'm kind of wired. And then also my, my family up, upbringing, my parents split up when I was pretty young. And I think that took a toll on me. And to me, probably the question I would ask is like, if, if you are, if God is real, if you are good, why would you allow that to happen to me? And over years that blossoming into a kind of hatred against God, but I, but the funny thing is, I would say I didn't believe in him, but I spent a lot of time thinking about him, which is just funny because I also didn't believe in unicorns or dragons, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. but I didn't, I didn't spend a lot of time thinking about those things. So right. it's funny that it's kind of like, you know, in the back of my mind, it was always a, a point of thought, you know, because I, I believe that we're, you know, we're made in God's image and that he puts that in us, this idea to, this desire to question and start to figure things out, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, a, there's a quote I like uh, by, by C.S. Lewis, but he kind of says like, um, you know, we, we're hungry and there's a such thing as food and we're thirsty. There's a such thing as, as water. If we have this desire for a better world, maybe the, the reality is that we were created for a better world. And, and that's why that's in us um, that Ooh, God put it there. C.S. Lewis. I, yeah. Ah. I kind of paraphrased that, but that's kind no, of, no, that's fine. I, I gotta check that out some more. That's deep. I like that. Yeah. So, so, uh, so for me, uh, what, what started that process? I mean, uh, there was a lot of, reacting against and distrust of God, as I kind of mentioned that before. Mm-hmm. And then uh, God just placed people in my life that made me start uh, warming up to the idea of trusting him as, as maybe the world makes sense if there is a God. And, mm-hmm. and uh, o- over time, I became a, a, a big student of the Bible and started to think, man, this makes maybe the best sense of the data I see around me, mm-hmm. uh, of the world I see around me. And so committed my life to following the teachings of Jesus and to trust in him. But ultimately, uh, I, I think um, these things happen in you know, many times and places, mm-hmm. but I, I recognized I had this desire to see the world become a better place. And at some point, I kind of realized I was not able to even live up to my own ideals. And so that's what some people talk about Jesus as savior. And uh, you know, his death on the cross is often misunderstood by, by people. I understood really? that to mean 
yeah, uh, yeah. I think a lot of people don't, don't understand. Like I understand it as a substitution of, uh, I was contributing to a lot of evil in the world and in some ways still fall short of the ideals I aspired to live up to. Mm-hmm. And that the reason Jesus died was that he, he actually was the fulfillment of everything we long for, that he never actually, uh, gave in to temptation. He never, he never sinned or, uh, you know, rebelled against God. He always trusted God's goodness. Um, and, and the penalty for distrust as, as I once was is, is death. Because if you shun the author of life, you can't actually live. You have to have the author of life to live. So, uh, so I understand that the death of Jesus on the cross is that he died for my sins so that I could be born again is the, is a word the Bible uses that I could have new life by trusting in him. That, that life is lived by faith. Um, so that's what I understand is like the good news of, mm-hmm. of the Bible. And it, it took me a while to start having language and understand how the Bible teaches that. But I recognized like within the depths of my soul, I've, I've always kind of dabbled in poetry. I used to play in a punk band and, and write songs and they're all about how broken the world was. Mm-hmm. But at some point I had to do the introspection and realize like I wasn't doing anything to make the world a better place, but I longed to be in a better place. And I believe Jesus is the one that'll bring us there. And, uh, the and that he's, he's working to cleanse me because even myself, I fall short of what I want to see in the world around me. <laughs> That's understood. And honest of you to say that. That's cool. Now, one thing I was checking out on Jesus on the cross. Glad you mentioned that. It seemed like, I could be wrong about this. It seemed like he had a shaky moment there where he's talking about, Father, son, why have you forsaken me or something and stuff? Like, what was going on there, you think? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a good one. Um, yeah, that's that's a super challenging uh, scripture, I think, for some people to, to get to wrap their minds around, right? If we go back to kind of the first question you asked me, if God is one and there is a father and son there, that would be the closest we see to maybe a fracture between two. It sounds like they would be divided, right? If that's, if that was the question he's asking, why have you forsaken me? Uh, some people have understood that as, uh, it, the Bible says that the, the, um, the wages of sin is death or the penalty for committing sin, you know, rebelling against God, not trusting him and following him would be death. And that, that on the, that death, you know, it requires the God's wrath kind of thing. And that Jesus on the cross actually absorbed the wrath of God so that those who, who trust in him don't have to experience that. So, uh, so I, I think there's probably a lot of truth to that idea, particularly if we look at some old Testament scriptures um, in, in Isaiah you mentioned that verse. Isaiah has a more challenging verse that says it, uh, yeah. the, the, the Lord was pleased to crush him, referring to, to Jesus, this, uh, this servant. Um, wow. so, so that, uh, again, that's even maybe harder to wrap our minds around, but this idea yeah. maybe that, that because God needs to punish sin because it's so against his character, his nature, and he's the one mm-hmm. that created everything, that he was pleased to, to finally satisfy that that desire to express his displeasure with things that are against his nature. And so on the cross, that's why Jesus says it is finished because finally God has a way to, to show us as people made in his image, like how, how terribly uh, tragic it is to turn away from him. But by trusting him, learning to trust him again, by following Jesus, we don't have to experience that because he did that for us. So, um, so I got to, I think, um, I'm going to maybe mix the metaphor a little bit when I say faith is learning to trust God again, that, um, that not in every case is doubt an enemy of faith because it would look like Jesus gives us an example where at some point he was like, God, you know, is this the way he, he, he prays in the, in the garden. Mm -hmm. Is there another way if there is, 
then I'll, I would like to pursue that because going to the cross is a terrible, terrible tragedy oh, yeah. uh, for the son of God. But then he says, but at the end of the day, not my will, but yours, Lord. So I think internally we might have times where we're like, man, God, is this, is this really the path you would have laid out for me? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we could fear that maybe God would look at us with displeasure because we're questioning. But I think yeah. really sometimes that, that might mean doing what Jesus said and, and recognizing, oh, I'm struggling but I'm going to trust that you're, you're better. Like I'm going to, uh, I'm going to admit and bring to you the, the internal uh, struggle I'm having, but that's not in itself wrong as long as I keep trying to, to, to follow in obedience, right. even, even if it is a struggle at times. I think um, a lot of things we're speaking about is things that um, cause a lot of people um, some challenges with, with their faith. For instance, like we're talking about there, it seems like, you know, we spoke about the Trinity, open up with that. And it seems like that, it seems like two different individuals, you know, because like one thing I recall Jesus saying, um, said, nobody knows, but the father. Mm -hmm. And if they're all one and the same, I'm like, how come you don't know, you know, or it's like, um, they're not getting out of character. They said, while you're down on earth, you're going to be this guy and you just got to stick to character or something. Can Can you explain a little bit how that goes on or why they seem to have a, uh, be one and then it seems like a dual nature at the same time you know right you know your way around the bible pretty well and, and go to some good oh we're gonna so. get to the we're gonna get to the good stuff though. but i just well, happen to know oh, i'm sorry go ahead yeah oh no no you're good i, I actually mm-hmm. was gonna do a little bit of a, a joke in response to that because i don't mind I, <laughs> yeah i, I kind of like how you said it like are they in character i, I don't know you know I, I think in some sense maybe that could be the case uh mm-hmm. Uh, Philippians chapter two talks a little bit about like Jesus emptied himself, which has been a really another, that's kind of a, a tricky passage for some people to come to that he, mm. he humbled himself and emptied himself when he came, you know, he left paradise and we were talking about heaven right. and paradise earlier to come save us. He said, I came to seek and to save the lost. Um, so is it possible that he, you know, he put on character because if, if he is God, you know, infinite as part of being God, I believe mm-hmm. then he, he uh, accepted limitation to come to earth. He, he was born in a, in a, a cave or a manger and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, accepted being taken care of by this young mother and um, right. as a baby and entrusted himself to that. So is it possible after he rose from the dead and then ascended to the father? Now he knows, I, I don't know, but, uh, wow. but I know mm-hmm. the answer. Uh, a lot of times I think particularly those of us in, in America, in the, the Western world, it's a lot of times in faith communities too, we want to know the answer to everything. Yeah. And actually, I, I think part of that is a, is a problem and that we should be willing to follow God sometimes without knowing the answer. Uh, I used to mm. teach kids the Bible in uh, ninth and 10th graders and, uh, at, a, at a private school. And, mm. um, and they would always try to stump me with questions. And so over time they learned, I would tell them to open up to Deuteronomy 29, 29. Oh. And, and this, is, this is a fun verse. This is the joke I was going to tell you. That <laughs> verse says, uh, the things that are revealed belong to us and our children forever but the secret things belong to god and so i would tell them <laughs> okay there are some things that, that people just aren't supposed to know the answer to and uh so I, I don't know if there's an answer to that and i'm okay with it <laughs> yeah you know when you come to um <clears throat> answers like that um when it said it's um it says some things you know we can't know right now sometimes um people will say not saying you are i'm just saying sometimes people say it's a cop out and stuff you know it's like sure. um you know, what do you say to that? What, what do you say to that? If somebody says, stop all this stuff, you know, we can't know now. Why can't we know now? You know, those type of things. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, so I mean, in terms of, I think you, you brought up a good point. I mean, my attempt to answer that question again would probably be, uh, I really like how you said that. I think I might even, if you don't mind, I might borrow that for a sermon illustration. That Jesus was, was maintaining character, that mm -hmm. while he, while he was God and he came to show us a better kingdom that I believe is coming, mm -hmm. that he, uh, that there were some part of him becoming a man was embracing certain limitations. And so maybe when he says that, right, uh, mm -hmm. I, the father knows, but I don't know. Um, right. Was him, was him telling people to follow him like, Hey, there are some things that, that, uh, are, are not for you to know, I guess. <laughs> okay, no, that sounds fine, yeah. I mean, even even with my kids, right? So I'm a, one thing I think uh, the church has done a bad job on and I'd like to be a part of kind of correcting the ship is uh, like teachings on sex, for example. The church has been silent on that and the Bible actually has a lot to say about it. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, when my kids who are, are six and younger, if you know, they probably overheard somebody say sex before and say like, what does that mean? And I'm like, it's not the time for you to know. At, ah. some point, at some point you will know, but that time is not today. So, okay. uh, there's a time I didn't like that. I'm probably wired to say like, if there's a door that says do not enter, I'm probably want to want to open that door just to see what's on the exactly. other side. But I'm, yeah. I, as I'm getting older, I'm, I like to think I'm getting a little wiser to think, oh, mm -hmm. maybe there are some things I can, I can be happy and content to just accept, like I'll learn someday, but maybe not right now. <laughs> right. Well, you know, thanks. I'm glad you mentioned that. You said you was getting a little older because you said, um, I believe you said you was 20. He was like an atheist, right? And I'm looking at you. You look very young. And he says, um, wow, when I was 20, I said, last month, you were an atheist? <laughs> so, but how long have you been pastoring? So, uh, yeah, I, I took a – so I like to say the word pastor is a verb, right? So uh, there is the, the, the sense which it's a noun. Like you can't be pastor, Sean, which people, some people call me. Um, but then when you say pastoring, you're using it as a verb. So uh, I think back in like 2010, I was mm – -hmm. uh, I, I was the last person in a small group to find out I was leading the small group. <laughs> Somebody said like, Hey, I just want to let you know, my wife and I are moving. Sean's going to lead this small group. <laughs> I was like, I wish oh, you would have wow. just gave me a brief phone call a couple of days ago and told me that. Heads up. Yeah. But we were thrown right into the deep water. So that was, that was 10 years ago. And then um, that's when I first started kind of cutting my chops on, Hey, how do you love people? Lead them to see truths in scripture, to, to trust Jesus more, uh, follow him more. And, um, and then I think that became official uh, in terms of I, I took a job where I was paid full time in 2015. So about five years ago, uh, down outside of Baltimore, um, I, I was I was offered a position. They call it family life pastor. I was working with like children and their families, teenagers and stuff and, mm -hmm. and teaching scriptures to them. Um, man, that is a really hard job. I like working with older folks a little better <laughs> than teenagers. I'm just not as cool as I would like to be. And um, uh, I think that helps a lot relating <laughs> to the yeah, other like yeah. I, I think so. I think there's somebody that could be really godly and really cool and that'd be helpful. But uh, but it was all right. I, you know, I made a lot of uh, meaningful relationships and keep in touch with some of those kids. And that's, you know, it is encouraging. They'll send me messages from time to time and stuff. Yeah. And, uh, and just to, you know, kind of be a coach in some ways to a lot of them have now since graduated and stuff mm -hmm. and are becoming adults themselves. But uh, so in 2018, the end of 2018, uh, my wife and I moved back here and we started the work of trying to, to plant this church in Gage Albany here in the city. So mm -hmm. I'm glad you mentioned the youth. Um, definitely in my questions here, we should be coming across it shortly. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Oh, Ooh, this is a good one. And thank you for filling these questions. Just so folks yeah, yeah. out there understand. You know, I talked to a lot of people. I don't know if I should mention it. I briefly attended a couple seminary schools throughout times and stuff. And I oh, yeah? Church, and I read the Bible all the time, yeah. But I didn't really want to mention that. But I'm saying, 
is that, you know, I speak to people a lot. Matter of fact, that's why people say, man, you should get and be a minister or something because you're always talking about mm -hmm. God. It comes up in conversation. And so um, people, they fill me questions. And I guess folks call them tough questions, you know, maybe questions you shouldn't ask and stuff, right? So I try to help them out with them because I know people are thinking. They hear things and they like sometimes things don't make sense to them. So I wanted, you know, while we had you here, I wanted um, to take the opportunity to ask you some things so people, you know, they can hear and have some answers to them and probably help them out on, you know, their um, path, so to speak. Now, the, um, the questions we have here, Ah, are the dead aware? Are they really up in heaven smiling down on me? You know, and all of that. Because I hear that a lot. And then I read the Bible, and you know what the Bible says. I mean, you know better than I do. It says the dead know nothing. You know, <laughs> so like, so I'm at odds with that. Are they, are my loved ones in heaven smiling down on me? Or is it like the Bible says, the dead know nothing? Yeah, well, I mean, when you frame it like that, it's really hard. Like, I, far be it for me to disagree with the Bible. Right, I, right. I think I would pick the question apart a little bit and say <laughs> that, like, uh, so for example, a, a relevant thing, some people ask me, is it okay to pray to Mary? And, and so, which I say, uh, part of being God, so when, when we talk about God and we say Father, Son, Holy Spirit, uh, and I think the day we live in, people are, are getting further and further away from understanding what people mean when they say God. So it's helpful to even define that. Um, to me, part of his nature, all powerful and, and all knowing. So he, he you know, he, he's an all present. It mm -hmm. seems like you can find scriptures that will allude to those truths mm -hmm. in the Bible. So if he knows everything, he's powerful enough to accomplish anything he would, he would set his mind to and is in accordance with his will. Mm -hmm. And then he's also present everywhere. So when people ask me to, about praying to Mary or even other, uh, in certain backgrounds or certain denominations like you pray to former folks that are dead right and um or have died from the earthly tent but what i the way i really like to frame that response is well here's the thing is in order for them to actually hear your prayers they would have to actually become like god in the sense that they would be everywhere right like there's no way that mary is able to hear my prayers here in new york and one of our brother's prayers in ethiopia um because she's, she's not all present. She's not, she doesn't have that attribute of God. And so that's a tragic thing that some people have started teaching because to me, that's the easiest way to answer that question is like, unless you're saying Mary's a God, which nobody really says, or right. some other, they call them saints, other people that have passed away are gods and they can't really hear us. So then in terms of, you know, I don't want to be the, a, a Debbie Downer when somebody's talking about like, well, my mom died. Right. And, uh, and I like to think she's looking down on me. Probably not. But I think a scripture that speaks right to this, uh, there's a part where, where the Sadducees who didn't believe in the resurrection of, of the dead, they believe once you died, that was it. They come to Jesus and they say, you know, this man was married or the man he died. So, so she married his brother and that happened seven times. So she, she was married to seven different brothers. And now in the resurrection, because they were trying to trick him, they didn't believe in the resurrection. They say, whose husband is, is she going to, or uh, whose wife rather is she going to be like, which of the seven brothers? And Jesus responds and says, he's not the, the God of the dead, but of the living. And so, um, so he basically tells them like, God didn't, didn't, it's not the way you think it is. And, and so we have sometimes uh, our analogies break down and we start applying them to who God is. And um, I may have just mixed that metaphor. It actually might be a different scripture where he says he's, he's the God of the, the living and not of the dead. It might be in reference to something about Moses. But, mm -hmm. uh, but nonetheless, the principle is, is true in that uh, when people die, um, 
if they've trusted in, in Christ, then I believe they, he offers eternal life. That's the famous Bible verse, right? John three sixteen. 16, mm-hmm. uh, God gave his only son who believes in him shall not perish, uh, mm-hmm. but have eternal life. So if our loved ones that have passed away are trusted in Christ, and know him, then now they're in heaven or paradise. In some sense that they still have, they're more alive than we are to be, to be in uh, presence of God. And, and know him fully as we're fully known is kind of what first Corinthians 13 says, um, then, then we're, they're more alive. But I don't know. I don't know that that means per, per se that they're down looking out at, for us, you know, right. that, that, you know if I'm about to ride my bike in traffic, they're going to like tackle me or something <laughs> as a spirit. Right. And save you. Yeah. yeah. Right. You know, so. um, when, um, the verse you uh, had just, um, mentioned and, oh, wow. Uh, slipping out my mind. Um, you know what? I'm going to have to let that go. I lost my train of thought. <laughs> Sorry. But, no, 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 no. That's okay. That's my fault. But yeah, I was just thinking about um, what was that, um, the verse you just mentioned, um, if you recall on the end. The one about the seven husbands? Right after that one. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. And then I mentioned um, uh, John 3.16. Uh-huh. Yeah. What was that one again? Uh, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Thank you. Thank you. Sorry, I had to do yeah. all this extra work. But check it out. Yeah. But the belief part, I think we talked about just before, you know, we started recording. Um, that part where, um, you know, people um, can get into heaven by accepting and believing. And then um, to me, or to my nutty like me, would say, oh, wow, that's all I have to do. So I could just sin, sin, oh, sin. Oh, yeah. You know, so I can just do a whole bunch of sin. And then after all of that, I can say, oh, I believe now. And then everything's okay. Does it work that way? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so I think what's helpful to understand when it comes to, uh, I like to use language like relationship with God. And, um, uh, and then the fact of like, we're overlapping kingdoms. Like, uh, so Jesus talks about his kingdom is coming, but it's not fully here yet, which is why we still have suffering and evil and pain in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, but he's giving us a a taste of that. He's already rose from the dead. So we're kind of, we're not without hope. We have hope, but we're also not how it should be. So there's a reality in which I still will sin. I still do, but hopefully I'm sinning less as I get closer to Jesus and, and I'll never be without sin until I'm in a new body till I die and am and, and raised again to new life with him. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but the scriptures talk a lot about covenant, which is like a promise, but better. And uh, the example that we still recognize today is, is marriage. And when traditionally when a husband and a wife would sit up there and say for better or for worse. Now, if you really want to stress that word for worse, if one of them decides, Hey, you know what? I'm just, I'm sleeping with everybody I meet. I don't care. I know I made that promise to you, mm-hmm. but, uh, but I'm going to break that promise in theory. The wife, you know, a wife could say, man, I'm still going to love you. Um, I'm still going to, because I made this promise and the promise was, was supposed to be bigger than a promise. It's supposed to be more serious than a promise. Uh, in the old Testament, they would actually like cut an animal in half and walk through it, which meant like when they made a promise to say, if one of us breaks his promise, it's, it's better that we're like this animal than that we keep living. Like we, we mean it so much that we want to be split and we want to be, you know, dismembered oh, rather than wow. go against our word. So, so when it comes to God, like when he expresses his promises to us, mm-hmm. if we put it in that context of marriage. I think it helps us a lot. And actually that's part of why I call our church engage Albany a quick, uh, quick wow. plug is <laughs> one. We want to see people engage with God, with, uh, with community and with, with this city that we live in Albany, mm-hmm. um, in meaningful ways, uh, and, and promote human flourishing. But also we recognize that 
we're in this kind of time of waiting. We're waiting for Jesus to return where he will make good on his promise to make everything new, to make everything better and really perfect uh, in that paradise. Um, that's why we call it engagement. We're in this time of engagement. We're waiting for that. But we also recognize we have the ring on our finger. And so, you know, when a couple is engaged, if, if one of them decides, oh, man, I'm, I'm looking forward to that wedding day. But before that, I'm going to be a, a total, uh, you know, right. womanizer. I'm just going to go out and, and sleep with anybody I can find. Mm -hmm. Like, you can't really say that you love that person. So when you put it in the framework of love, of promise, like, yes, God has, is a forgiving God. Uh, he is patient. He wants you to, to experience him as better than anything the world has to offer. So, mm -hmm. it, so it's a both and, right? Like, if you, are, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, of his teachings, and then you, you really sincerely believe that, but you have a lifetime of abuse of, of uh, you know, sy systemic oppression in your life, and you find, man, there is a lot of patterns in my life that are really addictive and habitual, but I really want to follow Jesus. And so, you know, you commit to that, but then in a week, you're back to old habits. You can turn back to Jesus again. You can keep doing that. I mean, he, he gives us this illustration of Hosea. Mm -hmm. The 70 times 70? In the Old Testament. Who eats <laughs> you? And to, what's that? Well, all I'm saying is, how many times do you forgive your brother? It was like 70 times 70 or something? Yeah. Said something like that? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, so, I mean, it's a both end in the sense that if you truly love Jesus, you're going to try and do the things that please him. You're, I would make the argument that, you know, a husband that says, I love my wife, but I'm, I'm cheating on her every opportunity I get is not a loving husband. Mm, and so similarly, mm -hmm. you know, somebody who calls himself a follower of Christ, but does nothing that Jesus asks of him, I would say, do you really know him? No, you know, so um, mm. where if, you know, if it's somebody who's struggling, um, hey, I, you know, I've been struggling with this for a long time, but I keep, I keep asking forgiveness. I keep sharing this so other people can, uh, the Bible talks about bearing each other's burdens. Uh, you know, part of a burden is something that's really hard to carry by yourself. So you have, that's why I think it's important for people to be in community so we can carry those things together. And, uh, you know, yeah. so who was yeah. the guy who helped Jesus carry his cross? He had a burden. And yeah. Simon yeah. of Cyrene. <laughs> yeah. That was pretty cool. Yeah. I don't know if that's to what you're speaking to, you know, if that actually goes with it, but yeah, yeah it reminded I me think of it that. works. Yeah, <laughs> it works for you. That's what he said. Like I said, I appreciate you asking these questions. But I know a lot of people, like I said, speak to a lot of people, and they, they have concerns and questions like that. And um, a lot of them get turned away. They say, well, not for you to know right now. You know, something like that. And that frustrates people. And I know that. <laughs> um, the other thing um, that I was leading to, like, question I used to get a lot from people. Why do bad things happen yeah, to yeah. good people? How, yeah. do, how do you answer that? Because like, well, thinking, like, say, say you have a, I guess you can call him a virtuous person. This guy on I me mean, does a lot of good things, never hurts anybody, really great person, but he never accepted Jesus. And that yeah. is, they say that's one of the things to get you got, you have to do that before you go to heaven. But he never yeah. does that. Then you can have like a really mean person, does all kinds of mean, hateful things. And then right on his deathbed, he says, you know what? I accept now. He goes yeah. to heaven and then the good guy, you know, doesn't. Is that the way it works? Or? <laughs> so, yeah, it's the wrong question again. Okay, go ahead. What's the right I, I mean, you, it's a good. So when I, what I find when people ask that question, uh, Jesus didn't. Excuse me. You're good? Go ahead. <laughs> oh, and I knew it. It's the one ring one. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> go ahead. When, uh, what I find when people ask that question, like, one, it's hypothetical, right? 
Nobody mm -hmm. actually knows that person that was completely selfless and good. So Jesus didn't die for hypothetical oh. people. He died for real people. And really what, what I want to ask is, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know that person. We could talk. If I, if you find him for me, sit him down and we'll talk. But, <laughs> right. but really God's put you, Brian, in front of me. And to which I say, the real question is, how does God know what I thought last night, you know, or, or you thought last night when, when we were mad at our neighbor and we could only think of, you know, well, what if, what if he's, if, while he's chainsawing the, the <laughs> chain falls off and kills him, like, right. we think that, why didn't God burn me up when I thought that? And that's the answer to that question is if God is able to extend his forgiveness to me and to, to be patient, to wait for me to respond, uh, the Bible says he's patient towards us to give us time to respond, to, to learn, to trust him again. So the real question is, why did God not burn me up for the evil that I've done? <laughs> ah, understood. Now, um, that's how I answer that question. <laughs> that sounds good to me. Um, now, another thing, the, the waiting, um, it's been about 2,000 years now. Yeah. Now, God has a different time frame, I imagine. The world, I guess, was created, um, you know, in the seven days and stuff, whatever. And then you have science. They talk about this and stuff. But they said Jesus is returning. It's been a couple thousand years and stuff. Is there a different time frame that we're working on? Like God's time is different <laughs> than our times. Something like sure. that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, the Bible says with the Lord, a day is as if a thousand years and a thousand years is as, is as but a day. So if we're going by that time, it's only been two years, but or two days, rather. Two days, yeah, yeah. <laughs> two days, really. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, that's where that's one of those tricky ones, right? Where um, I, I have friends across the spectrum, some that think like, man, the current events in our world are so are so disturbing. That has to mean that Jesus is coming back immediately. Um, you know, right. so I, I, I've, I've long understood. And, and um, I mean, when you talk about things that haven't yet happened yet, I want to have an open-handed position. <laughs> right. Because I, I don't claim to know the future. Um, but I, I think Jesus talked about, like, I will come again. And, um, and so the, the church, I think, has long believed, or people that have followed him have long believed, like, we should live our lives as if he could come back this moment. Right? You know, it, right after lunch, he could come. Um, but also, yeah. but also recognize like there is a sense in which, um, I mean, it's the same as death, right? We're, we're all eventually going to die. And um, it, sadly, as much as we think our life will make a significant difference in, in the history books, you know, there's what, is it 11 billion people right now? The reality is a, a close, good majority yeah. Of them, yeah, the good majority of them are not going to be in the history books. Sadly, you know, I, I grew up with a generation where I was told I was going to be very special. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, some of them will. But to God, our lives do matter. And so uh, every one of them, um, and he knows the pain that every one of us experiences and, um, and sympathizes with that. He, the Bible says he, Jesus didn't experience, uh, there's no temptation that we've experienced that Jesus doesn't know. So, um, so when we think of, of him coming back, uh, people that have followed him have long thought like, man, he could come back tomorrow. Same thing. That doesn't mean we shouldn't make plans because I could die tomorrow, but I'm still making plans for, for a date this weekend. So. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's good. Thank you again for your answer. We're going to uh, get to some um, less um, crazy <laughs> questions here. Yes, no, that's great. Ah, oh, rule with God. I read about that. Um, when you go to heaven, I think it said that you will rule with God. I also read that only a certain amount of people can go. Depends, you know, who you talk to. I think it's like 144,000. Yeah. Think they mentioned ruling with God. And I'm like, you know, I don't have a desire to rule. Is that something that I would have to do or something? Is it voluntary? I mean, 
how does that work? Yeah. I, I like that, Brian. There's a, you know, I find that a lot of, I find that's the exception to the rule. Most people want a rule. <laughs> okay. Yeah, right. Or, or at least they think they can do a better job than those who, uh, <laughs> who are ruling, right? Exactly, but, yeah. But that's where I've come to a place of your, of your kind of perspective. I'm like, man, that's, there's that saying, heavy is the head that wears the crown. And I don't know that, uh, that I want to put myself in the position of when I was 15, it sounded good, man, I want to run for president. Now I'm like, right. man, you're going to get criticized no matter what you do. <laughs> sometimes exactly. I agree, sometimes I don't, but I criticize either way. And um, so when it comes to the, the 144,000, that's a misunderstanding. So oh, people, really? when you read Revelation, that's a really tricky book. Mm. That talks about, so there 144,000 is really just a, a, a particular point in time that I, I think actually precedes the eternal state or, or the final paradise, but is actually an intermediate state. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's 12,000 people, or, or, sorry, there's 12 tribes. If you look at Genesis, uh, mm -hmm. there were 12 tribes of Israel, of, the, mm -hmm. of God's people then, uh, after, after the sons of Jacob, there was 12 of them. And so he, they named those 12 tribes. And then if you, you multiply 12 times 12,000, it's 144. So it's oh, 12,000 wow. from each one of those tribes as, as witnesses mm -hmm. during a, a Indian book of Revelation. Now, um, if you're able to read the Revelation, the, you know, the book of, of Revelation from John, um, yes. this futuristic book, and, and not have a lot of questions, then I would be very suspicious of you. So right, exactly. certain, certain traditions have latched onto that 144,000 and understood that to mean that's as many that go into heaven. That's really sad to think, right? Again, yeah. if there's over 10 billion people right now, mm -hmm. I would make the argument that life doesn't even make sense because if you think of the people that died before us, they probably already hit 144,000. That's, right. that's a very bleak look at, at the world. If, um, <laughs> exactly. only, only that many are going to make it in. And then highly arrogant to think that we could possibly be one of them. So Yeah. And then um, what do people have to, um, well, in a sense, what do they have to aspire for? I mean, you know, it seems like your hope is lost, you know, for an afterlife. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So, yeah, that kind of, yeah, that 144,000. Uh, uh, question that one, that one, a grain of salt. Um, <laughs> we kind of covered this one, why bad things happen to good people. Is yeah, rain, what is that rainfall on the just and unjust alike? Something you got like it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, wow. That's right. Yeah, yeah. why does the bad person uh, grow tomatoes in their backyard when I can't grow tomatoes in my backyard and they're not working? We're getting the same rain. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Let's get some fun stuff. Fun stuff. When um, the video clip that you sent me, thank you so much. I liked it a lot. And matter of fact, I said, let's utilize this. And man, it didn't come to us for nothing. I believe it was um, Hebrews. Uh, I think the uh, book of Hebrews, I think it was 1 3. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like that. Um, the clip I was listening to. First of all, I went to Hebrews, had to brush up someone, and was checking out the themes. Tell me if you agree with the themes that, of the book. Um, the source I got, it said, um, well, first of all, they said it's a masterpiece. This <laughs> is a masterpiece in the scriptures. And um, they said um, justice and judgment. Is the main theme, um, perseverance, power, suffering, traditions, and customs. Agree with those as being the theme of it? Oh. Uh, far be it for me to argue with that. I mean, <laughs> okay, those, yeah. those are all definitely in there. <laughs> okay, good. Because when I was thinking, I said, wow, this may be, um... oh, and they also talked about this may have been a message to Jewish Christians. 
because it's going through a lot of persecution over there at the time and mm -hmm. stuff. And I can imagine. So when I was thinking about um, Book of Hebrews and I was thinking about justice and judgment, you know, and I was thinking about the way the world is today. And it yeah. um, seems like a lot of injustice at times and there's a lot of judgment going on. And I was thinking anyway, we can kind of um, have these things from Hebrews in a sense by to now in a sense. I don't know if that's something you want to think. Because I was thinking about um, justice and judgment. How, how this kind of relates to us nowadays. I'm trying to make the Bible relevant, you know, even though it happened yeah, yeah. a few thousand years ago. How does it affect me today? So this is the way I look at it. I'm sure you probably do something similar. So like um, justice and judgment in Hebrews, how, how's all that tie in perhaps in, even to now, if you can do that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, certainly, I mean, the book, that book is called Hebrews, right? So mm -hmm. Hebrew is a, a Jewish folk, right? right okay. In yeah. a strict sense of words, I, I believe that clearly that's who, who they're writing to because it leans so heavily on the Old Testament. Uh, he would assume, the author of that, that he was writing people that knew that, which would be Jewish Christians. W when it comes to justice, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, there's a, there's a uh, early on in scripture, if we're looking at Jewish scripture, uh, Genesis chapter 4, after Adam and Eve are kicked out of the garden because they disobeyed God, mm -hmm. they have children, uh, Cain and Abel. And, uh, and Cain, the, brother, the one brother, rises up and actually slays his brother Abel. He kills him. Mm. And there's this really interesting verse where it says, your brother's blood cries out from the ground for justice, really. And so that's the initial place you see that theme mm. emerge in Scripture. Is For us humans, we were never supposed to... Uh, overcome and subdue each other. We were supposed, you, you, I kind of didn't answer on, on accident your question before about uh, should we rule with Christ? Uh, quick commercial on Sunday, uh, 10 o'clock, Lincoln Park near the Martin Luther King, also speaking about justice, mm -hmm. near the Martin Luther right. King monument. That's where we're meeting outside right now, try to be safe with mass and social distance. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but we're going to sing as we close out that time a song called we will feast in the house of zion and that's that's our hope as a church is that we're going to jesus says he invites us to his table to sit with him as as uh, as co-heirs like we're going to be a part he he, he adopts us into god's family if you can imagine that some of us come yeah. from very broken families that will be a part of this this wonderful family and have a father that we all hope we have mm -hmm. and uh, and we'll feast with him we're gonna we dine with god and be co-heirs like we, we will get to say uh, I know him, and he welcomes me at his table, which traditionally to be welcomed at a king's table is a pretty big yeah. deal, right? Mm -hmm. um, so back to the idea of justice, and um, that theme is – go ahead. You're good. <laughs> okay, thanks. Sorry again. No, you're good. That, yeah, I would that, love to be able to shut off and people supposed to be calling anyway. But anyway, I'm sorry. No, you're good. Yeah. I understand. You're a busy man. Uh -huh. um, that theme of justice – uh, introduced, you know, just four chapters into the Bible, uh, the first time we see brother rising against brother. And so uh, I think it's very, uh, my like parents' generation, there was this idea, which was a good intended thing, but it was misleaded, misguided, which was, we don't see color. There was this conversation when we were talking about people. And I, I think that was a mistake because God is the one who gives us our color. He recognizes and he, the world's a much beautifuler place for it. But sadly, people have experienced injustice based on the way they look and where they've come from. The Bible has a lot to say about justice. We are supposed to be working together to mm -hmm. 
make the world a more beautiful place. But sadly, people have, you know, have overcome and subdued, subdued other people. So when Jesus comes, he's going to, to write those scales of justice. That's, that's a thing in scripture. Right. And so that's part of our hope. The Bible has, I think over 2000 times, there's the word justice. We talk about social, social justice. That word is social isn't in scripture, but all of scripture is about relationship. What is social or society? It's just mm-hmm. a web of relationships. So, I mean, that's why I've just loved living in a, you know, small beneath. It's not a huge city, but mm-hmm. a city where I get to learn from, experience life from people that have a slightly different take and, uh, and learn from them, right? It's not, mm-hmm. it's not me over, you know, inserting my will upon their lives or vice versa. It's, right. hey, we're neighbors. We want the same thing, right? We want, our, we want our kids to have it a little better than we did. But I don't want that to come at the expense of my neighbor, regardless of what color skin he is. So, exactly. Uh, yeah, God loves colors. I mean, he did make the rainbow, didn't he? Yeah. He did. Yeah. So, that's, the, that's the fifth. Or, uh, maybe it's the sixth chapter, Jess. Is there right. seven? The, um, the other one they have on here is perseverance. Yeah. Yeah, we'd like to speak to that and how um, that relates biblically and what we can use that today. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's where, you know, uh, so I've, I've grown fond of saying this kind of thing when I, when I speak or preach to people, which is like, there's a lot of things in scripture that make us uncomfortable. Right. And so when Jesus came, they, they thought he was going to be some kind of political savior that he was going to, uh, and the, and Isaiah probably said the government would be on his shoulders, but I, but he kind of talked about in his first, his first coming that he, he came, uh, to seek and to save and to serve. He came to serve people, but not to, not to subdue. But he's going to come back at another point where every knee will bow is what, what the scriptures teach in Philippians. Mm-hmm. Um, so persevering, I, I don't want to live in a world where, where people are oppressed because of the color of their skin or because of where they come from. But, uh, but my hope is not in some, some system or some political ideology that's going to set that right. Jesus said the poor will always be with us. But he also said, his gospel is good news for the poor. Uh, oh. Blessed are those who mourn now because you will laugh later. Um, so during this time, we live in this, this tension of, I know Jesus. He's promised to make the world better, but it's not on my timeline. It's on his. So right. we will encounter trials and, and suffering in this, in this world we live in now. But if, by persevering, we get that crown of life. We get this paradise, this peace that God talks about, but he's going to bring it in. It, sadly, we're mistaken if we think that, you know, if our right party gets in the, in the, right. I don't mean to sound too jaded about politics. I just, <laughs> I, I've learned uh, my background in punk rock has made me very distrusting of everybody except for Jesus. <laughs> Understood. <laughs> um, Thank you. Particularly those that are seeking power. And I just find that power corrupts <laughs> it's like you can see over my shoulder i know guys i interview seem to do this a lot the next one is power <laughs> the next one on here how does that relate you know they said um power is one of the main things in um the, the book of hebrews and how can that relate to us you know yeah so i mean in my experience uh i i will sometimes say to people like you know, if, if we're being honest with ourselves, which one of these three would, would be your downfall? Would it be sex, money, or power? <laughs> it's almost always one of those two things. You can probably yeah. find a couple outliers here or there. Uh-huh. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, power is, man, that's probably one of the most addictive drugs on the planet. And so, so even those people, sadly, you see this, right, with people like, uh, I dabble and I listen to a little rap music here and there. <laughs> and to, mm-hmm. I'm not an expert, so don't quiz me. Right. But, uh, but like, I, I always kind of like that kind of mentality of, Man, if 
you know, you might be a small circuit rapper and you have your little clique of people. And if you make it, there's an unwritten rule. You're going to take your, your crew with you, right? Like, Hey, we're all going to be there together because we're in this together as a community. Right. Now, one of the worst things you can be is one of those people that doesn't make good on that promise, right? Like, Oh man, I'm the next Dr. Dre. All of a sudden I changed my phone number. My, my crew, my family can't get a hold of me because mm. I got a little bit of power and went right mm -hmm. to my head. I'm going to, mm -hmm. I'm going to hold that back because I don't care about me where I came from. I care about myself. So, right. so again, that goes back to, I love that you, you just call it like it is. Like, I don't want to be, <laughs> I don't want to right. be a ruler. <laughs> you have no desire to do that. Yeah. I recognize that, you know, a uh, mm. few people have the kind of character and integrity where they can do that well. And that's mm. to me why I trust Jesus because right. he came, he was a king who left paradise to become mm. a servant, right? Uh, he, he says he came to serve and he was a man of sorrows. Like he can, he can, uh, he can relate to what we would experience and he doesn't rule with an iron fist, but he, he rules with love, which is something that we all want, but right. sadly don't do a great job of living out. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And let's see, <laughs> we got two more on here. It was on um, suffering and traditions and customs. Can you speak to those and pertaining Hebrew and to us? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, the masses of humanity are always going to suffer. That's a, a lyric from a, a punk song that I love, which is funny because it's written by a guy who doesn't believe in God either. <laughs> uh, from my from my atheist days, and I, it's funny as I've become a Christian, I'm like, man, he he was he got the nail on the head there, but. Um, but I believe someday we won't suffer. So uh, I think he's getting to that question you asked earlier, how could a good God allow bad things to happen? The, mm -hmm. the reality is um, that's one of those mystery things of he could have, I believe that this is the best possible world he could have made. And maybe part of answering that question is that uh, we will learn to trust him when we suffer. He, Psalm 23, a pretty famous one. Um, he is with us in the valley of the shadow of death. Um, you know, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. Uh, but people miss, you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. I, I don't personally know what that's like, but right. some, some Jewish folks would have known what that was like. Like, hey, I'm walking through a valley where I know there could be enemies on both sides and might ambush me. Right. That's a, a valley of the shadow of death. There, death's shadow is cast upon you. He doesn't say you're not going to walk through it, but he says he'll be with you. And that's, that's the ultimate hope of scripture is to be back with God because that's where uh, joy and pleasures forevermore is, is found there is what scripture teaches. So right. suffering. Is, is a reality we all face. It's a part of us, yeah. You know, like, I always think about, the, I call it the duality of nature. I think other people do too. It seems like there's always, if you got good, you got bad, you got hot, you got cold, and if you got pleasure, pain. You know, it just seems like that's what's set up. Um, and then the last one on this list is um, traditions and customs. And then, um, if you don't mind, after that, um, what did you have in mind when you was doing um, when you were doing the sermon um, for Hebrews. But yeah, traditions and customs, you like to speak to that. Yeah, uh, so tra traditions and customs, I mean, the book of Hebrews written to, to Jewish Christians, this new uh, Christianity, I believe, does not contradict Judaism, but it, it gives it flesh because Jesus claimed to be the Messiah the Jews has, had waited for. Now, if you study the Old Testament scriptures, there's a sacrifice system of Ooh. part of recognizing that uh, that humans fall short of the ideals that God would have for them, of, of the commands he gives to them. Mm -hmm. and, and we don't understand this much today and how, you know, how macabre it is. Um, maybe the closest thing we get would be like a butcher or something, just somebody covered in blood. Like, right. oh, I have to sacrifice an animal. And I recognize 
the weightiness of how my actions are not in line with what God would have for me. So instead of God punishing me and killing me, we kill this animal as a sacrifice, right? Mm -hmm. And and I I don't want the PETA people to get upset, but that's just the reality of the world. (laughs) And, and, you know, death, uh, sin is a weighty matter, falling short of what God would would have for us. Disobeying him is weighty. And the punishment for that is death when you shun the author of life. So, So then when Jesus came, he said, that was really just a shadow of the much greater thing. Like the, the blood of a goat is a, a goat is not made in the image of God, the blood of a, mm. of a lamb or a bull. Those things, while, while they're amazing creations that God has made, they're not made in his image where he says we're made mm. in his image to be mirrors that reflect him back to people. Um, so, so when an image bearer of God goes against that created order, rebels against that, uh, the only, the only, um, effective sacrifice would be for a human to die. So Jesus is this amazing, uh, amazing uh, God who, who takes on flesh. So he's fully God, fully man, because a man needed to pay the price for sin. So that tradition and custom, there was this sacrificial, uh, sacrificial uh, tradition custom that they followed to Mm. to point to the greatest sacrifice, the, the only satisfying sacrifice, which is Jesus death on the cross. So that those who trust in him, would then be restored to that rightful relationship with God. So, uh, that's so that's so the tradition of customs. I think at the, <laughs> if you're getting right to the heart of the matter is that mm-hmm. Jesus is the perfect sacrifice. Jesus is the better temple. Uh, you know, people thought we had to go to a, a place to worship God. We, he'd only, he'd only be around if we went to the temple, but Jesus says his body is a temple. And then since his resurrection, he gives the spirit to those that follow him. You can worship God anywhere because he's, he's omnipresent or anywhere or, right. or everywhere. I'm glad you mentioned that. There's also one of the questions that are coming up later. Um, let me see. Oh, what, um, I should say what prompted or who prompted you, but when you were doing the sermon on um, Hebrews um, 1, 3, what did you have on your heart? What, what did you have in mind for? Yeah. yeah. So I sent you just the clip, you know, we, we live in this soundbite world and, uh, <laughs> That sermon was actually out of Matthew. Um, so it was, it was really uh, Jesus' one of his promises that he says is, come to me all who are weary, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And um, so that was kind of the thrust. And at that part, I was just telling people, uh, you know, do you want to see God? Then we look to Jesus. Because when you're looking at those first three verses of Hebrews, it says, uh, we now, in former times, former ways, God spoke to people through prophets. He used these these people as mouthpieces, but now he actually put on flesh. He, he dwelt among us and he speaks to us through Jesus. So uh, I would say to the skeptic, hey, do you, I, I think of myself when I think of the skeptic atheist, I was, I was praying to God at some point as an atheist, God, reveal yourself to me. But come to find out he did. I just wasn't reading the right book. I had to read the Bible. And so I tell people, if you want to see God, look to Jesus and he's revealed in scripture. So, um, so that was kind of the point. And, I, and, and the thrust of that message again was mm-hmm. come to, to him. If you're heavy laden, if you're burdened, if you're wearied, because he promises to give you rest. And when I think of like the New York mentality, I think New Yorkers grind really hard or really, you know, kind of pride ourselves on, we, we, we do the midnight hour, you know, we do that, yeah. that cup of coffee after dinner so we can close on some deals and, and, and make sure we did a hard day work. And, uh, exactly. and, um, and, and I think, you know, we want to be human beings, not human doings. We don't want to just commit to work really hard. That's not where we get our identity and our rest from, but mm-hmm. we can get that. Jesus, so. I appreciate that. Thank you. Let's go on. <clears throat> I think, um, you like these questions there. Um, a lot less intense as our opening. Ah, <laughs> now you touched on um, 
age. One thing I was going through the pictures and stuff. Um, it seems like I have a lot of youngsters there. I didn't see any uh, like old farts like me around there and stuff. It seems like there's a lot of you know youngsters in the church. Um, now, um, well, this one is a little heavy too. I have to mention it to be fair, and I could be wrong. I just read, uh, you know, a line and elsewhere. They say church membership declining. If this is the case, what do you think the cause is? The science, technology, changing time? Or is the church keeping up with the time? As I said, around you, it seemed like I've seen a lot of young faces, a lot of young folks, and I like that. So, um, yeah, is church um, membership going down? If it is, what do you think the cause is? Science, technology, just changing time mentalities, or church just not keeping up. But what do you think is going on, if in this case, yeah? Yeah, well, so again, we tend to look at things in certain uh, lenses. And um, I, I like this quote by this like old, uh, old-timey pastor from the 16th century who says like, uh, when you talk about skirt, uh, suffering, he has this quote, and it's in old-timey language, but he essentially says, uh, the reason God brings trials and, and allows suffering into our life is because he recognizes that without that, we won't pray. So, um, so when we look at Western Christianity, we have so many gifts. God has given so many blessings to those of, like, I don't think of myself as rich, um, but if I, if I zoom out a little bit and look at the world, I really am compared oh, yeah. to, compared to brothers in, you know, in India or, you know, Ethiopia, Saudi Arabia, somewhere mm -hmm. like my income is, is much higher than theirs. Now, if right. I compare myself to the 1% in America, mm -hmm. certainly somebody's hoarding something, but, um, but, uh, but there's so many blessings that it's hard for us to recognize our need for, for God. But I mean, right now with, in, in China, it's actually, you know, it's, it's not really okay to be a Christian there. Like you can't follow Christ oh. without the government kind of getting involved and telling you like, this is a, a crime punishable by, wow. uh, you know, by severe punishment in, in China. The strange thing is uh, another even older quote, Tertullian's like a fourth century church father. He says, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church, he says. And I think that's true. Uh, it's, not a, it's not a Bible quote, but, but mm -hmm. that when people suffer for their faith, the, the church actually grows because people don't die for a lie, right? Like if I'm going to, if I'm going to, if I'm lying, if there's something that's not true, uh, it's rare that somebody's going to actually give their life for it. But when they see people right. saying like, I believe Jesus died and rose from the dead for me, and I'm willing to, to go to the grave for that, people start, it gets in the back of their mind, maybe what he's saying is true. So the church in China, the church where, where in, in hard places is really booming, is really thriving. And that's part of why I think Jesus says, that the, you know, the kingdom is good news for the poor, uh, for the mourning, because mm. they recognize their need for God. But when you have a lot of gifts, you tend to worship them instead of the giver of those exactly. gifts. So, so here in America, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know how well we're going to fare through this time. <laughs> yeah. Sadly, I mean, it just seems like, uh, unfortunately, a lot of the division in our world is, is nothing new. We just have new outlets to express it. So the world is becoming very aware of what's in the hearts of people, which is not good stuff. And, um, mm. and so who knows where the world's going to go? I just see so much, like, I, whatever, uh, I don't make a practice of sharing my political leanings, per se. Mm. Um, but whatever they are, I'd like to, to think that I could, I could uh, extend uh, dignity, humanity, respect. Uh, the Bible talks about love believes all things. I like to think that I could love those who disagree with me on that because that's not the most important thing to me. Mm -hmm. And um, But I see a lot of people that maybe 
maybe don't right now. It just seems like a lot of people are unable to give di offer dignity to those who disagree with them politically. And so I don't know what that's where that's going to lead our country. Mm -hmm. But uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if we're not a first world country, which is pretty scary to think, you know, the father of four young children mm -hmm. anymore. And in which case, the church, I think, will actually thrive, um, which is, is the blessing or the silver lining. Uh, in there. <laughs> I like that. That's good. You found, <laughs> you found the good in there somewhere. That's excellent. <laughs> Very nice. All right. Now, I'm sure you... Can I answer the question? In, in short, I think the mm -hmm. church has uh, declined because when you have a lot of gifts, it's hard for you to worship the giver. You worship the gifts. And so we have a lot of gifts in this country. But mm -hmm. when, when you start to, to have less, you start to recognize how, uh, how unreliable those things are. Like, you know, money won't save you. Power won't save you. Sex right. won't save you. Those are all great things to enjoy when you have them in the right yeah, proportion. Exactly. But, uh, but you need something more. Mm -hmm. Now, let's see. Now, you um, touched on this one, too. Worship in the park. Now, I don't know if that's the same title um, with the event yeah. that you have. It is it's still worship in the park. And that's at Sundays, I believe, 11 a.m. And you said it's near the um, Martin Luther King statue. I said the tennis yeah. courts, but yeah, same thing and stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, um, would you, um, matter of fact, I think that's where I met um, Mike, I believe it was. was. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, would you like to talk about it a little more? And matter of fact, while we're there, I think the next question is talking about adjusted rhythms, something that came about. Not um, completely certain what that is, but I see it as Wednesday at 7, Thursday yeah. said midweek, and then Sundays at 9 a.m. One is ladies' Bible study, and that's in Hebrew. Yeah. Got to talk to you about that. Why Hebrew? Oh, hold on real quick. Let, okay, I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah, please, yeah. So I, I appreciate that you were kind of going through uh, – you know, doing your research to familiarize yourself. Yeah, uh, but when it comes to the adjusted rhythms, that was a little bit more like spring when, when mm -hmm. we were kind of in the so so a lot of that's irrelevant. So I just don't want to okay. say Yeah, so we don't want to dwell on that. Yeah, but the um yeah, what so, is it? Worship so right now uh, mm -hmm. we move the time till ten, just so we're a little earlier you can get you can get out in time for lunch. But ten AM, Lincoln Park, uh right by the Martin Luther King statue. We're, that's where we're planning to be every Sunday until it gets too cold. So, um, oh. so we're just meeting there, bring your own lawn chair. That way, you know, you, you can social distance correctly and not have to touch mm -hmm. anything. And hopefully, you know, we, we will all remain safe during this time. You know, there's plenty, exactly. of, room, plenty of shade. Uh, if it rains, we'll probably just meet via zoom like you and I are now. So, ah, uh, that's cool. And matter of fact, that's in my list too. So, um, since, um, and I noticed that, um, well, you said this is just a little outdated. Um, but the Zoom thing isn't, and I like that. I saw something that said pre-recorded services, and I think it's done by a Zoom gathering. How are you able to do that? And how many um, people can get on there? I mean, is, is Zoom yeah. big enough for you to do all of that, um, have a service? Yeah, like well, and again, that was really, we haven't, we haven't made a practice of gathering on, on Zoom since July, which mm -hmm. is just when we realized as data's kind of come out about coronavirus, like if you're, if you're outside, in a public area, it seems like there's a, a relatively low risk. We still want to take proper precautions. Mm -hmm. um, but because God's given us these bodies, we wanted to, uh, I think a lot of people are experiencing fatigue from uh, being in front of screens so much during this time. Yeah. So, uh, so we still do some things via Zoom um, in terms of, again, probably more weather related. Like if, if, it, if it rained on a Sunday, we'd probably meet via Zoom. And mm -hmm. um, but we've been meeting just in the park kind of for the summer, and that's just seemed to work a little bit better. Uh, we'll do some leadership meetings via Zoom and stuff, but, but mm -hmm. right now we just wanted to emphasize, like, it, we just think it's important that people be together, that mm -hmm. we, we think it's not good to be alone. 
<laughs> oh yeah, I understand completely. Yeah, and that's a, I think it's a great idea to get out there and utilize the park, um, you know, for those purposes. Um, it's a good thing. Um, let's see. Okay. Oh, now church in the park. Um, I noticed, uh, like I said, this information may be outdated. Also, I noticed you had some something at the barn at one time. It seems yeah. like you. It, however to get it done, you know, we could do it here in a, um, you know, a conventional church. We do yeah. it through Zoom. We'll go to the barn with our message, to the park. It seems like you try to get that message out there any way you can, and I like that. Um, yeah. How, what, what's going on with these different venues that you have? Yeah, uh, so I, I think, uh, again, when you talk about the West, like in some people's mind, or, you know, or, or America, in some people's mind, the church is a building, mm -hmm. and, uh, and we don't believe that. And uh, in some ways, you know, I think it's a, it's a bad practice or, you know, when we live in a world where people are really questioning, uh, are, are we being good uh, stewards or like, are we taking the things that we have if they're gifts from God that ultimately we only have them on loan. So a lot of churches are using a, you know, using a building one or two days a week. And then that's leaving, you know, another 300 days that it's sitting empty. Um, and it's, it's just not easy to find real estate in the city. So uh, we just, we're kind of content to say, you know, when God wants us to have a building, he'll provide one. But for the time being, like we can, we can just squeeze in wherever we need to be. We, you know, the word of the day is kind of flexibility and that's put us in a position where we, we don't have to pay a mortgage or rent during coronavirus. So thankfully mm. we weren't, we weren't kind of seeing our bank account dwindle during a time where people, uh, you know, are, are unsure and desperate where their, their financial needs would be met. We thankfully weren't, we were able to meet needs in our community around us because we weren't spending money on a mortgage. So, um, right. so, uh, so yeah, we met at the barn. I love that. I think that'd be a great venue to meet. Unfortunately, there's not really any parking there. So, oh. um, so I, I just love the idea of, uh, you know, an art space is really cool. God, God is a creator. He made us mm -hmm. as creative beings. So I think it's a cool to be in a space where it's a, a little bit more creative minded. Um, mm -hmm. I, I like that. That would have been great. But, uh, but we found like it was a little tricky for childcare, people with kids in that space. Right. And then also for parking. But uh, other than that, man, you're bringing up it, uh, yeah, just a I fond memory of, of the time we met there. It was just, it was really great. So, <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, like it um, just so happens that um, I, get, I made a video from people. Um, it's called Church Without Walls and yeah. um, very similar. You know, they, yeah. they, they said it's not a building. You know, Where they, is that? Is that local? Well, that's the thing. Well, yeah, it's here in Albany, but that's the thing. It's not really anywhere. You know, it's a church without walls. It's kind of like, yeah. you know, wherever, you know, they can get together, you know, with people. But, yeah. Um, matter of fact, um, this one guy, I know, um, I, I put, um, I'll send it to you, um, a link of it and stuff from the people. But, yeah, I loved the concept when they came to me with it. I said, no building? He said, no, churches, and, you know, it's, it's the people. Like, yeah. Okay, <laughs> all right, so you know, I helped them out with a video on that, but yeah, I like that. So, when I seen that you had it at these different locations that serve, I, I like that a lot. I'm on board with that, I understand it completely. And, like you said, that, that rent, you know, whoa, yeah. Oh, the urban mission field, I like that. Don't quite understand what that is. What is the urban mission field? Because when I looked up, engaged church a whole bunch of names popped up i'm like whoa wait a minute they were all over the place i'm like isn't that like some kind of encroachment but then i thought about it i said well not necessarily if you're in the same market different probably got the same name but then i'm thinking like is this like a national organization and you know you target certain things that's what urban mission field I yeah saw that. Uh, we're not affiliated in any way with any other church mm -hmm. that's called engage we're just kind of you know we're a local thing um i knew a guy 
funny, uh, where we lived in Maryland, there was a guy who started a church named Engage, which is kind of funny. It was right right after I purchased our domain name. He was like, hey, we just changed our church name to Engage, uh, Engage Harford County. This is in Maryland. And um, mm-hmm. but they've since, I think, closed their doors. I don't think they're in operation anymore. Um, oh. But it was completely coincidental. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, so in, in, terms, in terms of that, just, you know, urban mission field, I mean, I just recognize that my own personal kind of uh, – uh, where I feel most at home is more of a city environment. Now, mm-hmm. granted, I, so I live in like Delaware Ave neighborhood, pretty walkable. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. not downtown as much, but um, but if I if it weren't for uh, different jobs, I probably wouldn't need a car. Like I could probably get everything I need just walking. You know, right. so so I like that kind of kind of you know neighborhood city feel. Um, I, at one point, I was actually offered a, a job in the middle of a cornfield in Illinois, and so. In my mind, mm-hmm. I was like, how close is this to the city? You know, how close is it to Chicago? Mm-hmm. The nearest Starbucks was two hours away. So I was like, this is nowhere. Oh, you know? Yeah, their coffee isn't that good. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, but, but just yeah. in terms of like, when I think of it, if I'm looking at like, will I feel at home? You know, mm-hmm. if there's a Starbucks or if there, you know, if there's a, some recognizable corporation mm-hmm. has to be near it if it's a city but this was the you know this was a cornfield this is the no i understand i'm just saying that coffee isn't that good for me to drive two hours you know oh, yeah for sure <laughs> yeah. Oh, for, for sure yeah so right. well so part of it was that and it was it was a similar thing of starting mm-hmm. a new church it was a really kind of a dream job in some ways where this church mm-hmm. said like we want to pay you a full salary to start a new church in the middle of this cornfield <laughs> and um and it was a really appealing uh, nobody said that when i came when we, we moved back to Albany, we're, we're kind of from here, mm-hmm. but we've been in, in Baltimore area, and when we moved back, we were hoping somebody would do that, but nobody would right. <laughs> to say like, Hey, we're going to pull you uh, pay you a full salary, but this church is going to do it. So it was very tempting to me um, to, to think about doing that. And so part of it was like, if you wanted, you can maybe work part-time just to get to know people, meet people in the community. And so I was just looking for like, what are places that pay good benefits? And that's why I stumbled on Starbucks. They have decent benefits for part-time workers. Mm-hmm. Uh, UPS was another one. Neither of them were anywhere local. So I was like, this is really, really secluded. And, and I'm not, I don't take that as I'm, I'm saying something bad about cornfields. I, I'm <laughs> praise God that there's people that, that do want to do that. Just right. for me personally, I kind of discussed it, prayed about it with my wife and recognized like, I'm not really, I'm not really the country guy. I'd be pretty bored pretty quick. Mm-hmm. I like the stimulus of living in a, a you know, a more metro hub type thing. So, mm-hmm. um, so I don't know. I'm probably not smart enough to be a pastor in Manhattan, but, uh, but I love the city of Albany. So right. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you keep saying that. I love Albany too, because um, you mentioned about the vehicles. I find that I don't have to use the car. I mean, unless you know, I have to get somewhere real quick or maybe somewhere I'm going far. But for the most part, I can walk wherever I go and everything I need is right around me and stuff, you know. So that's yep. one thing I do love about Albany. It's, um, it's, um, I say they have pretty much everything everybody else has. It's just the lines. Very short. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. That's good. Are you from the area too? <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, I've been in Albany since 1968. What? Yeah. Bro. Building the plaza when I was Are coming up. You're talking about yourself being an old guy. I, I thought like. <laughs> You might add like five years on me. Okay. Oh, no, 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 no. More almost like five decades. Closer than yeah, that. right. <laughs> now, let me see. Oh, yeah, that's right. We're at that part. Um, I call it the part where we pay the bills, so to speak. Um, is there anywhere, you know, um, I don't know if you guys have merch or anything like that, but is anywhere where mm-hmm. people can send donations to the church? I don't know if you accept them or like them. Oh, yeah. They can help out your church. 
For sure. Uh, so, I mean, our website, just engagealbany.org, pretty simple. Uh, there's a part in there, I think it says support the mission, a tab on the top right, I think it says support the mission, where we do that. But uh, but I really like to say, you know, people will ask like, oh, so you're saying that, you know, you want my money or God wants my money. And I like to say, uh, you know, God is, is not content to stop there. He wants every part of you. So, uh, so, <laughs> so I like to challenge people of like, you know, we don't need or want people's money per se. I, I would much rather, you know, get to know them, have a conversation with them and, and hear their heart. Uh, but, you know, certainly we want to be a blessing to our community and, uh, and be a part of, of bringing flourishing to this city. So, you know, we, we have uh, systems in place to make sure we, we wisely kind of uh, utilize the funds that God has given us. So people are welcome to do that. But, uh, but at the same time, they don't have to feel obliged. They're obligated to do that. Right. So. From what I see, from, from from you know what I see, you guys in the park, what read online about what you do, you're definitely definitely a blessing to the community. You're doing something positive, so I like that a lot. Now, um, getting down to it, imposed on your time too much already, I believe, and I thank you for it. Um, as customer in the show, is there anything? that um, we haven't touched on that you'd like to touch on? Or is there some kind of parting words you'd like to leave people with? Anything you just want to say? Here's the time. Yeah, I mean, so I, I think, Brian, you're very thorough. So I think I covered most things that I would want to cover. I could probably preach 15 sermons based on the questions, you know, you asked. Like, I try not to, to ramble too much, but I may have a little bit. Uh, but really, yeah, I mean, we would love for people to stop by, get to know us Sundays in, uh, in Lincoln Park by the Martin Luther King Monument, right behind there in the shade. Uh, bring your own lawn chair. There's a good amount of parking. And then, uh, you know, while it's still warm, kids can hit the uh, splash pad afterwards. This Sunday is a good Sunday to join us. It's kind of like a, we're, we're, we're about to start a new series, kind of sharing a little bit about who we are, kind of our hope for, for uh, engaging the city and just seeing that, uh, you know, bringing, being a part of that prayer to, to that on earth in Albany it would be as it is in heaven. And so uh, this Sunday would be a good opportunity for people to enter onto that. We'd love to just get to know people and, and make more connections for those people in Albany. So uh, that's really all, all I'd say, just an invitation. That's what's up. I appreciate you. One moment. I'm going to say goodbye to everybody. Hang out with me for a second. Sure. Okay, everybody. I know. It's the end of another Yam Bar podcast episode. Hey, check this out. As usual, we thank each and every one of you for checking us out. And we also thank uh, Sean Nolan, pastor, lead pastor of um, Engaged Church here in Albany, New York. And you guys, do not forget to check out our previous Yambar Podcast guests. And always remember that the Yambar Podcast is the place where you make it happen. <laughs> Peace, everybody. Once again, I'm Brian Barcelo, here with Sean Nolan. Peace. Peace. <laughs> uh